0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. I think that we have now found our new release cadence for updates to the stable channel. Previously, Valve had said that they were going to slow down how often they were going to update the stable channel in order to prevent getting more bugs in that channel. Well, the last update, I believe, was at the very end of December. We didn't have any huge updates in January, but now here we are on February 1st, and we've got our first big update since they made that announcement, so I think we're probably going to be getting about one update per month, and it's probably going to be on or around the first of the month. Now, if you watch a lot of my content, you've probably already seen a lot of these changes covered in the beta and preview releases, but... Some of my opinions have changed or I've gotten more information since then, so make sure that you stick around. And if it's your first time here, please subscribe and click on the like button as it absolutely helps out. All right. Let's jump into it. Valve has replaced launch option dialogue with new UI that includes a checkbox to remember the user's selection. This selection can be changed in the game's properties. So for some games, when you go to launch that game, it gives you multiple options. Maybe you'll start the game in Vulkan or maybe you want to use Direct3D. Or maybe it's an older PC game like uh, Final Fantasy Port where it asks you if you want to launch the launcher in order to change the settings for the game or if you want to jump directly into the game. Now, previously you had to do this each and every time, but now you can tell SteamOS to remember what you chose. And if you change your mind later, you can always head into the game's properties tab, which is under the little gear icon. Then we have further optimizations to load times for users with large game libraries. I'm curious how many of you out there have really big uh, game libraries on Steam. I have over 500, which I thought was a lot, but I know that there's a lot of you out there that have way more than I do. So leave a comment down below and tell me how many games are in your Steam library. Okay, back to the patch notes. They also added pinned notifications for new inventory items, trade offers, async game turns, moderator messages, offline chat messages, and help request replies in the quick access menu and then notifications. I think that clumping all similar notifications together is definitely a good thing we have a small screen on the steam deck you want to have the ui to be as decluttered as possible they're also adding more buttons to the list of inputs that can skip the big picture mode and deck startup animations honestly i never even noticed that you could skip those animations they're so quick and they're really well done so i don't see the need to skip over them but for those of you that are too busy to watch a two second animation now You have more buttons that you can press if you want to skip them. Changing download regions no longer requires restarting of the Steam client. That's awesome. UI digital navigation key repeats are faster. Okay, this one I'm really happy about. One of the things about SteamOS that drives me absolutely crazy is when I'm trying to navigate through my library letter by letter using the triggers. If you didn't know, if you go into like your all games category and you got 500 games in there or something, You can go through by hitting the right trigger to skip forward in the alphabet or the left trigger to skip backwards in the alphabet. But it feels very unresponsive. I think that what's happening is Valve is trying to avoid getting double inputs when you don't actually want a double input. But when I'm looking in my library and I want to get from A to Z really quickly, I am going to spam that trigger. And previously, I think that Valve was ignoring some of those inputs thinking, he wouldn't possibly want to hit the button that many times and it kind of slowed you down. Well, now they're not going to slow that input down and they're actually going to be able to speed up navigation in SteamOS when I do hit that same button multiple times in a row. It's going to be much easier for me to get down to, say, the T's in my library. They're also adding a setting for controller idle and turn off timeout. I think that this is going to lead to the batteries in my Xbox, Gully Kit, Stadia, and Steam controllers all lasting longer. There's a lot of times where I boot up my Steam Deck, I've got it docked, and I've got a controller, the controller's turned on, and then I go to do something real quick. One thing leads to another, and the next thing you know, my controller has been sitting there for 40 minutes and I haven't touched it at all. Well, now it's going to turn off after a certain amount of time, and I think that that's fantastic. Now, some controllers will automatically do this, which is great, but not all controllers have that functionality built in. So essentially what's going to happen is if you don't do anything on the controller for a certain amount of time, the Steam Deck's going to recognize that, and then it's going to send a signal to your controller to shut off so that you can save battery. moving on navigating columns in the overlay is now centered vertically to match the rest of the main menu there's various fixes to make the ui scale better at higher resolutions they fixed intermittent browser crashes. They fixed background images on a collection on the app details not being clipped correctly. They fixed some issues completing purchases through the payment providers, some UI scaling issues, and a bunch of other fixes as well. They also fixed audio crackling and loss when streaming from Linux slash Steam Deck using remote play. Now, I've personally never run into this audio crackling or audio loss issue when streaming using remote playing, but I've seen quite a few people complain about it in the comments section of my YouTube videos or over on the subreddit. So I'm sure that there's plenty of you that were dealing with this and are going to be really excited that this is fixed. Moving on to the keyboard, they added up and down cursor keys to the on-screen keyboard. Now, trying to get your cursor in just the right place using the touchscreen keyboard on SteamOS is kind of a pain, which is why it's great that they added cursor keys to the keyboard. But if you're on the wrong line, moving your cursor up a line or down a line necessitated you pushing the left or right on the cursor button a whole bunch of times. Well, now you're not going to have to do that instead of pressing that button a million times in order to change lines all you have to do is hold down the shift button and then hit left or right cursor buttons and it will become the up and down cursor buttons saving you a bunch of time when you were trying to input text which is something that you have to do from time to time in games that were designed without controllers in mind now i already had talked about this when this change came to beta but one of the things that i said that i would really like to happen in that video was i would really like to see SteamOS allow me to move that keyboard out of the way you see a lot of times the keyboard pops up and it covers up the place where you're trying to type and then you can't see what you're typing which means you're likely to make mistakes and it's kind of a nightmare well it seems like valve is listening because they just gave us the ability to move the standalone and overlay keyboard out of the way so it's not covering up what you're typing valve can i just say You guys are freaking awesome over there. Thank you for these changes. All right, let's move on to Steam Input. You guys all know that one of my favorite things is Steam Input. It's one of the reasons I was so excited for the Steam Deck because the Steam Controller and Steam Input are one of the best innovations in gaming in the last decade, in my opinion. And so when the Steam Deck was announced and I saw those trackpads and I knew that it was going to ship with Steam Input... I knew that this thing was going to be fantastic. And we have a lot of really cool changes coming to Steam Input. Starting with this, the controller configuration browsing screen can now preview configurations and the selection process now previews, then applies instead of directly selecting the configuration. Previously, if you were looking for controller layouts made by other people, and you wanted to look at the layout and see what it looked like, it was automatically added as your new layout. Now, when you go to look at one, it downloads it so you can see it, but then you have to push another button to actually apply it as your new layout. This is a great change because now you're not going to accidentally overwrite a layout change with something, with something that somebody spent five minutes working on and then uploaded by accident. And then you download it and you're like, well, this is terrible. Now you can see what it looks like ahead of time, which is great. They also added a search tab to the controller layout browse screen. Hopefully this makes it easier to find layouts that other people have created. From now on, if I've done any heavy configuration for a game, I will call the layout Nerd Nest Game In order to make it easier to find so for example if i'm making a layout for doom 2016 i would call that layout nerd nest doom that way you guys would be able to find it they also changed controller mode sliders to default to larger step sizes to match the old big picture mode interface and they added a footer button to switch to fine adjustment mode in order to get back to those smaller step sizes Often, we have to adjust sliders for Steam input in order to change how sensitive something is or maybe the size of a mouse region. Now, when you move them, they will move further, and if you want more fine-tuning precision, there's a button for that. By the way, quick pro tip, a lot of people don't know this, but if you just tap on the number, it'll bring up the keyboard, and you can just type in on the keyboard the value that you want for, let's say, the size of a mouse region, and then hit apply, and it's there. You don't actually have to use the sliders to move around. They've also reworked the layout of the mode settings page in order to show more content anytime there's less scrolling to do. I think that's a win. They've generated Steam Input API Origins for some virtual menu modes that were missing them. This one, I am not 100% sure about. I'm guessing that it means that they set up defaults for some virtual menus. If you know what they mean by this, let me know in the comment section. I would really appreciate that. Next up, show controller settings in app properties game for non-Steam games. That is a terrible sentence, but it's awesome. I don't use a lot of non-Steam games, but... Now I'll be able to see whether or not the controllers are going to work with those games in Steam Input. They've also completely reworked gyro calibration. Gyro will now wait until your controller is on a flat surface before it recalculates anti-drift settings, which is great. It will also try to get rid of some of that jitter as well by recording all gyro and acceleration noise while your controller is stationary. The controller configurator now will group commands if they are attached to the same input. This means that previously, if you had multiple commands for the same button, like extra commands or subcommands, you would see that command on there multiple times. Now it groups them all together under one button and it just makes it look a little bit nicer and a little bit easier for you to follow exactly what's happening with your controller inputs. They've added support for the Armor X Pro gamepad in PS4 mode. I don't know what that controller is but I'm interested in hearing more about it. They added direct navigation to controller inputs and modes from the preview screen and they added specific Xbox Elite layout preview page, a specific Nintendo Switch layout page and support for the Thrustmaster eSwap Pro controller, Xbox controller. Then there are a ton of fixes for controllers that Valve doesn't make, from the Xbox controller to the Switch's Joy Cons. I have said it a million times Valve doesn't have to support all these other controllers that they don't make, but they do it because they know it's a good end user experience. And if the end users are having a good experience, experience, they're much more likely to continue utilizing Steam and Steam input to play their games. Valve knows this, and so they do the right thing. It's, It's very different from other companies which are incredibly myopic, and they only see things in the short term. I feel like Valve sees things in the long term. They're playing 4D chess out there. Now, on larger screens, they're also combining the keyboard and numpad tabs of the Choose Binding screen I think that's fantastic. The number pad is part of the keyboard and getting there is easier with this setting change, but I understand why they have to have it split up on smaller screens. They're also now remembering the last active tab in the Choose Binding screen and opening that instead of always using the tab with the current binding value. So let's say that you're going through and rebinding a bunch of stuff to the keyboard. Well, that means you're going to have to go into the keyboard tab over and over and over again. Previously, what would happen is you would open up the, let's say, the B button, and it would take you to that B button on a controller layout, then you would have to hit the R1 button multiple times in order to get over to the keyboard tab and then pick out whatever button that you wanted. Then the next button that you went to configure, you would have to do that all over again. Now the way it works is you go to configure it, it remembers, oh, they just configured something to be the keyboard, so the next button that they're going to configure is probably going to be a keyboard button as well. I think that's a really good change. They also added upper grips as an option for mode shifts. So if you're using mode shifts and you don't have enough, and you can now use the grips as well, or maybe you just prefer the grips, over other stuff. They got a bunch of fixes in desktop mode, but I don't really use desktop mode all that much, so I don't have anything to say about that. Let's move on to big picture mode. So let's say that you're in desktop mode and you wanna use big picture mode. Maybe a game won't work in gaming mode, but it works in desktop mode. That's the kind of thing that you would do there. The new big picture mode has now been made the default experience. For compatibility reasons, you can access the old experience by using a command line option. Note that this functionality will be removed in a future update. Now, I personally love the new big picture mode, but I am surprised to see this set is the default experience because it's really something that's made for smaller screens. And having it when you're in desktop mode, it just seems kind of goofy to have that be the default every single time i have mindset as the default every time but there's a lot of good reasons why you would want to use the old steam layout perhaps they mean only on the steam deck which does make a lot more sense either way i have my computer automatically jump into big picture mode when it starts these days what do you guys think is this a good change or is it a bad change speaking of big picture mode they also added a quick guided tour they added the option to start in windowed mode under settings display big picture mode windowed. Now, you might be thinking that this means that you're going back to the old way. No, this is starting big picture mode in a window, which makes no sense to me. I don't get this at all. If you're using big picture mode, you would probably want to have it take up the entire screen. More options is always good, though, so... If you can think of a reason why you would want this instead of just using the old Steam interface, let me know in the comments. BPM also will now allow on-screen keyboard to be activated while the new big picture mode and Steam window is not focused. And they added the option to turn off controllers when exiting big picture mode. This is awesome because it means I won't accidentally leave my controller on, especially my gully kit where the LEDs are on the top of the controller and you can't see them when you set your controller down. That one shuts off auto. Automatically after 10 minutes, but I'm glad that Steam will now tell it to shut off if I'm in big picture mode on desktop. They also implemented Steam Controller dongle pairing. The Steam Controller dongle will have less latency than when you're using Bluetooth mode, so this is a very good change. They also prevented a launch option reminder for appearing on top of other UI when a game is launching. Fantastic. And they show icons for partial and full controller support. VR support or mouse and keyboard only support in the library when a game portrait is focused or hovered. This is when you're in Big Picture mode on desktop. It isn't needed when you're in gaming mode on the Steam Deck, but if you're using external controllers in Big Picture mode, this is a really great for knowing which games are going to work out of the box and which ones you're going to have to configure on your own. Then they fixed a whole bunch of other bugs related to Big Picture mode. Overall, I think that this was a huge update and it's brought a lot of things that people have been waiting for from the preview and beta channels to the stable channel what do you guys think what is your favorite change that is happening here and what things do you think that valve should still be working on let me know in the comments section down below and if it's your first time here please subscribe from the nerd nest i'm bill stay rad everybody